Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually and then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 260 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you're having a wonderful day. Today will be the last podcast episode of 2020. Well, the last new episode of 2020. Through November and December, we'll be doing replays of some of the old episodes of the podcast. And uh, I will be using November and December just to prep for 2021, get some new episodes lined up for you guys, and then also just to focus on self-care and family time and all of those different things. Today's podcast is a special one. It is with Tori Press. If you don't recognize Tori's name, you may recognize her Instagram account, which is Revelatory. Tori describes herself as a writer, an artist, and a therapy enthusiast. And she has an Instagram following of over 255,000 folks. And in today's podcast, we're actually talking about her journey. Tori was actually a graphic designer for almost a decade and then gave up that career. And so we're going to talk a lot about the the mindset that it required to give up something that was stressing Tori out and wasn't leading to a life of meaning and purpose. And we're going to talk about cartoons and why Tori focused on cartoons. We wrap up with a conversation on self-love and self-compassion, and especially as business owners, how we can employ some of those uh, principles um, in how we approach things. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. We'll get right to today's podcast conversation. Here's my conversation with Tori Press from revelatory.com. Hey, Tori, welcome to Selling the Couch. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I have been following you for a long time on social media. And I'm, I think even before we get started with our conversation, I just wanted to say, I, I think I echo a lot of folks that are listening to this podcast just to 
share how courageous um, so many of the things that you put out there. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for you and just that, that courage to put things out there like this. Thank you. Thanks. I feel the same way about people who comment and share their own experiences with me in return. I think it helps us all feel a little less alone. Yeah, I mean, that is like, and we were talking about this even right before we got started, right? Like the great irony of social media, it's supposed to connect us, but in some ways it can be not the, it can be a hard place, but you know, just that, that intentional connection, that is really cool. Yeah, I agree. You spend most of your adult life working as a freelance graphic designer. Then you decided to close down that business. How come? Well, at the time, I had been doing my design business for probably 10 years. And I guess I would say I was a little burned out. I was getting a little tired of doing the same thing over and over. I I don't think I was able to recognize it at the time. But in retrospect, I think one of the things that had burned me out was making art for other people and kind of always taking someone else's direction. And I was I was just not really deriving a lot of joy from that, at least not in the way that I used to uh, when I had first gotten started. And at the time, I was also homeschooling. My oldest was, was six years old. Uh, she was in first grade. And so that was taking up a lot of my time. And I thought, oh, I just, I need to not have such divided attention anymore. And so I had to make a difficult choice. It was not easy to leave the business. It was not easy to walk away from clients that I had been working with for a decade. But I thought that I would make some space in my life. I just kind of felt suffocated trying to do too many things. And that seemed to be the thing to walk away from and just take a break from. I thought I would start out taking a break and uh, it ended up, you know, being a, being a full break. I haven't gone back. I uh, use the word suffocated and I, I mean, I, I find sometimes like the journey of small business ownership, like many small businesses are started by folks like we're very like we're we're technicians right we do something really well right and then our businesses grow and then we get to a point where it's like man there's that there's that tension of like not feeling that same joy that same passion you know um, i think it's a hard thing to maintain over a yeah. long period of time and i think it's especially it's very hard to maintain that enthusiasm when you're in a solo entrepreneur which i was and doing everything myself and every difficulty every problem that came along was for me to solve um, and without, you know, input or help from anyone else. So yeah, it, it, it's wearing, it is suffocating. It can be. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause you are, I would imagine you're focused on creating art, but then you're putting out all these fires as, right. as needed, right? Like right. you are, you're the start and the end of everything, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and then not wanting to let clients down and getting that immediate, you know, urgent email. I need something turned around within two hours and being in a situation where I'm homeschooling my child and I had a plan for the day. So that was very difficult to juggle for me for a little while too. Yeah, I mean, I can't even, and and we shared like, you know, I have a two-year-old and she's nowhere near school age yet, but I just, you know, I, I can't even imagine like trying to balance both of those things, you know, and trying to do that and wanting, you know, to do both of them well and then the struggle to, to do that, you know? Yeah, that was my life at the time. I felt like I could do both of these things, but I couldn't do them both well at the same time. So you did this for 10 years. And I feel like when you invest that much time and energy and costs into something, I can imagine it's just a gut-wrenching decision to even walk away, right? Uh, it was not easy. I mean, you know, I had clients that I felt very close with that that I had known very well. And their their branding, their marketing materials that I put together, I mean, it almost felt like my babies, right? I didn't want to let somebody else take over and and are they going to know the client as well as I do? 
but it was a good practice for me to to be able to kind of let go of this sense of control that I wanted to have. But of course, you know, none of us are really in control of these things. Uh, things can change on a dime without a moment's notice. And so, you know, I had to, I had to just kind of let go and let that be in order to, to nurture myself and to do something that, that my mind and, you know, my spirit was sort of crying out to say, hey, we, we've had enough. Let's just take a break. And it was nice, too, to know that I can always come back. You know, I'm a big believer that decisions are reversible. Almost every decision, there are a few that are not reversible. But, you know, most decisions that we make day to day, you can, you can change your mind. You can go back. And so that kind of helped give me the courage to walk away, I think, at the time, just knowing that it didn't have to be permanent. Yeah, I mean, I love just even that way of looking at it, right? It's much less pressure on yourself because I, I know at least for me, it's like this feels like a life and death yeah. kind of decision, right? But yeah. yeah, you're right. Like in the vast majority of situations, it is. It's totally reversible and stuff we can walk back on. What do you think you learned about yourself as a person and as a business owner during that closing closing down that first business? So it was actually, I remember at the time, my, my best friend had made a big career change of her own. She had gotten her PhD in human genetics, and then she went to go work for a video game company doing data analysis, which is very different. You know, (laughs) she got a PhD, but she was so happy. She was so much happier in her new role. And she just felt like she was in the right place. And I think that kind of inspired me a little bit too, to see that that had happened for somebody that I knew. And and I knew when I saw her happiness, I knew that I was not in the right place for myself. I did not feel that way about my work. And so I really was scared. I was not sure what I was going to do. I did not have a plan. You know, and, and my um, my website, my bio says that I quit the job to create space in my life. And that really is how it felt. Like I was like, I'm just opening up space and I don't know what's going to happen with that space. So I think I learned that you know, I was able to do that. I, I, that's not something I'd ever really done before to just walk away from something without a plan. I'm a very type A perfectionistic. Like I always have a five-year plan and a 10-year plan and a 20-year <laughs> plan and there was no plan. So it was really frightening and also really freeing to know that, oh, I can do this and the world didn't fall apart and the ceiling didn't come crashing in and I didn't have an income and we, we made it work. So it, it, just taking that leap, it's scary, but, but I learned that I was capable of, of more than, than I realized, I think. And then, of course, I started, I had a kind of creative void in my life, and I just wanted to draw something, to do something creative to entertain myself. And uh, I discovered this entirely new passion that had been lurking under the surface, which is drawing cartoons. It's what I'm doing now. And uh, I had no idea it was there. I didn't even know it was something I wanted to do until I had enough idle time to think about what I wanted to spend that time doing. Uh, You just, you said it so well that, you know, sometimes we have to get to that point where we let go of things. And in that process of letting go is when we actually uncover like things that we were meant to do. Right. You know, yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask you like related to this because you said it, right? Like, and I feel like a lot of folks that are listening to this podcast very driven, very like planned, right? <laughs> For someone that's wired that way, how in the world did you find it in yourself to be like, hey, I don't have a plan. I don't even have income coming in, but <laughs> I, I'm going to just like 
create space, you know? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, I look back, it was, it was a pretty monumental decision. I think the thing that, that helped me probably the most with making it and with, with, with being able to do it was that I've been practicing meditation for a long time and just sort of being able to tap into that meditation mindset, that sort of beginner's mindset, that ability to witness and observe what's going on without having to assign value to it or say this is good or bad, or I have to know right now what the outcome is going to be. You know, I think meditation is, has been a really helpful tool for me because it has sort of helped me train my mind to find rest and peace in these places where I'm not naturally inclined to feel at peace when I don't know what's going on. I'm not naturally inclined to feel restful, but it's a, it's a type of training. And so I was sort of able to tap into that to help me out. That's cool. You mentioned cartoons, right? Mm -hmm. Why cartoons? Um, I don't know. It's just what came up. It's just what I wanted to do. I've drawn cartoons from a little kid as a child. I actually, I was like 10 years old, I remember, and I signed up for a summer camp to a cartooning camp and I showed up and there was probably 15 kids in the class and I was the only girl and everyone else was was boys and they all wanted to draw superheroes and comic book characters and I was reading the funny papers at the time right and I wanted to draw like Garfield or Foxtrot like cartoons but not uh, action heroes and I remember taking that class and thinking like oh this must not be right for me like if I want to be a cartoonist I have to draw superheroes I have to draw for Marvel or DC which is obviously not the case but you know so it was, I think it's something that had been in me for a really long time and at some point as I grew from that experience and from others I just talked myself out of doing it and I thought you know at the time I, I'm I'm 39 so this was in the 90s you know, when I was a child and a teenager, there was no Instagram, there was no path forward um, for, you know, self-publishing anything. It just didn't exist. So, you know, I thought, well, this isn't the right career path for me. So I buried it. But when you bury things, they don't disappear. They stay there. They're there. And it was always there. It just needed the time and the space and the opportunity to come back out. That's so cool. Like, I, I think one of the things I was just reflecting on when you were talking was it sounds like you've had so many instances in your life where life wanted to kind of put you in a box and there was this part of you that felt like I'm just gonna create my own thing you know and and not I mean it's just such a I, don't know, I just want to tell you like that's such an admirable thing to have you know especially in a world where everything is like there's so much like you know hey, they're doing this. I should be doing that. That kind of, you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like I didn't fall victim to that type of thinking either. You know, I mean, certainly that dictated a lot of choices that I made, particularly in my younger years. But, um, but thank you. I like to, I feel like it's not, it doesn't serve anybody to get halfway up the mountain and realize you're on the wrong path and then just keep persisting to get to the top just because you've already, you know, made it halfway. It's like, nope, if I'm on the wrong path, I'm going to turn around and go back the other way that I came and and figure out a, a different way forward. That's awesome. Uh, by the way, Garfield and Foxtrot, man, you and I are <laughs> like right at the same age and bad childhood memories right there. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. I used to look forward to that every week. Yeah, I did too. I remember like pulling the Sunday paper out and being like, mm -hmm. where's the comic section? Yep. <laughs> So your cartoons, right? And and you said it like 
the model was like DC, Marvel, but for you, you took a different path and the cartoons actually reflect what it's like to be human. So, I mean, even if, you know, a lot of, a lot of what you share is like these tiny glimpses of the human experience, right? These tiny moments. What was your hope in, in creating those cartoons and especially cartoons that reflect the, the human experience? Well, you know, when I started, I, I had no intention. It was just something I was doing for myself. It was not something I intended to share publicly or, or to try to gain a following on Instagram or social media at all. You know, I found that when I started to do when I started to draw, it became a way for me to process whatever I was going through, whether it was something in the news that I was thinking about or something that had happened in my daily life. It just sort of revealed itself to me as a tool for helping me think about things and figure out how I felt about some of my little human experiences, um, however big or small. So it, it was sort of like I, by opening myself up to it, it revealed itself to me, not just as an activity and a fun thing to do, but a tool. And so the more I use the tool, the stronger it gets. And the more I'm able to sort of look at all of my experiences in life and think about like, oh, what, what little nugget of wisdom or what lesson might there be in this little experience that I've had. Yeah. I mean, it's such a cool way of like looking at the, at the human experience. So you said when you first started doing this, though, you kind of kept it to yourself. Tell like, walk us through that step of keeping it to yourself to now putting it on Instagram, you know, for everyone else to see. Yeah. I, well, so when I say I kept it to myself, I mean, I didn't keep it entirely to myself. I, I drew a couple, I, I, so I bought myself a, a set of Sharpies. I work in watercolor and ink now, but I started out with uh, Sharpies and just a real cheap little sketch pad. And I was doing a lot of yoga, practicing yoga almost daily at the time. So I would have little thoughts maybe in Shavasana. They always creep into my head then or in the middle of class. And so I would, I would doodle about that when I got home. And so there was one drawing that I remember I was very proud of. And I was a girl, you know, on her mat. And I wrote at the bottom, you know, what I give my mat. And I say my sweat, my fears, my stress, my anxiety, my tears, all of my negativity that comes just pouring out of you in a really, you know, hard yoga class. And then I wrote what my mat gives me back. And it was just a heart, right? Like go just get all that out and you just get back a little bit of love from yourself, from your body, from your mat. And I shared that on my Facebook, just my personal Facebook page, just with my friends, because I was proud of it and I liked it. And former yoga teacher of mine messaged me and said, I love this. This is great. Can I print it out and distribute it to my students in, in my next class? I'd love to hand it out to them after Shavasana. And I said, okay, that's sure. Of course. And you know, I got a couple other people. I, I think that my friends didn't know that I like to, I didn't know it. Right. So everybody said, wow, you, this is really neat. And you're, you're saying some interesting things. So I had some folks encourage me to not keep it to myself, to start a public Instagram with it, with that material. So I did. I figured, you know, why not? What do I have to lose? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's crazy um, to think that that one drawing, right, that came after a session has turned into this, right? Like, I wanted to ask you something personal. Is it, is it hard? Like, the you know, because you start this, you share with on a personal wall, then, you know, friends encourage you to start an Instagram account, right? And then this thing slowly grows. And I mean, as we record this, it's 255,000 people that are subscribed, right? So how do you manage that sort of 
don't know if even the right word is like the pressure to create or yeah, maybe that's the right word. I don't know if I, it's the word I would use. I feel pressure sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of transferred. I mean, it, it, it started out being doing, doing something, being something that I did only for myself. And it, I think it's very hard not to think about an audience when you do have an audience. It, it kind of be, so that's something I've struggled with, you know, over the years. Like, am I doing this for myself? Am I doing it for other people? Sometimes I'm not even sure in my head. Like, am I doing this because it's what I want to do? Or is it because I think that it's what people will respond to? You know, I think that the main thing that I try to hold on to is that sense of it being a tool that I talked about earlier, that it's something that I do to help myself process. And so if it's something that's in my heart and I want to write about it and I feel good about it and it's something that I want to say, I, I really do. I try to just do it and create it without thinking about uh, or without thinking too much about how it's going to be received or whether other people will relate to it or not. I think that's the only way to remain authentic. Like it needs to feel like something that I want to say and that's meaningful to me. If I think too much about what other people might be looking for or wanting to hear, then I think that is, that's the death knell for really doing creative and authentic work. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you said that because I, I mean, and just being honest, like this is something I struggle with this, with the podcast too. I mean, I've been doing oh. this since 2015. I've got almost over 250 episodes now. And, and even that thought of like, as, as this has grown, I feel like, yeah, I find that, that tension, you said it so well, like, am I doing this for myself? Am I doing this for others? And then trying to always find that place of like honoring that creative, like that creativity in me or that the curiosity in me and just trying to like create a, create content around honoring that creativity versus like, trying to please people or, you know, all of these different things. I mean, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's important to just remain centered and like stay true to whatever your initial purpose was, right? You need to, to get distracted. And I do get distracted. I think we all do. But yeah, but that's something to know. That happens too. And, and it's okay. You can go back. It's not an irreversible decision. Yeah. Good point. How, how do you handle negative feedback? Well, I talk to my therapist about it usually. <laughs> I don't like to get negative feedback. But I have I've gotten I will say I've gotten a lot better at getting constructive criticism. I really do enjoy at this point now. And I think it's because I often get speaking about the the large audience like I'm aware that I can I share experiences that I've had. But not everybody is like me. We all have different personalities. We all have a wide range of different lived experiences. And I can't speak to anybody's experience other than my own. So when I do get any kind of critical feedback, I do try to put myself in the place of the person giving the feedback because they're coming from a very different place and a different experience from me. So maybe there's an opportunity for me to learn something there. And then of course, there are always trolls. There are always people who are not looking to engage in good faith. And so those are the ones that I typically have to talk to my therapist about because uh, it's harder for me to, I try, I'm still trying to, I, I, I'm trying to engage in good faith even when somebody else might not be. So that's a, just a struggle point of, uh, I have to just learn to let that go and let it be and not worry so much about it. Yeah. I mean, I love the way you distinguish that between like negative feedback versus constructive criticism. And it's something that I definitely still struggle with. And, but I think you just said it so well, like 
So trying to see if somebody does offer some sort of feedback, what is like the kernel of truth? Where's their heart coming from? Right. Is there something I can take away from this to better myself as a person, as an artist, as a creator, all of these different things? Right. Or is this person like just doing this just to, because they're spiteful or whatever it is, you know? Right. I don't know, it doesn't even need to be spite. It just might be, you know, somebody who's who's having a bad day and just willfully misunderstood something that I said. Who knows? You know, you just you can never know where somebody is coming from. So it's yeah. just it's important to to protect yourself against that and to know that like, well, this work was honest and good and I felt that it's true for me. So, you know, it, it won't please everybody. And that's always the case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really well put. I remember even like I think it's about a year ago, like somebody left a review on the podcast saying it was like basically it was like a lot of fluff, these conversations that I was like, man, you know, and and there's like, you know, fortunately like I have great colleagues. Like I think there's always almost three hundred reviews and like I think literally that was the only like negative one that <laughs> I and it and it like it just hit me so hard, you know? Isn't it funny? Yeah. 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 Like, it's like we- it's like the one the one has like 20 times the strength of like the, you know, my therapist gets after me for this. She's like, you have 299 positive responses and one negative one. Why is the negative response so much heavier than all of the positive ones? I've never been able to give her a a appropriate answer to that question. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and it is, it's a tough, tough answer. I mean, I think like, at least for me, it's like, I think my perfectionism and my like people pleasing sort of tendencies kick in and I just want to create content that makes everybody happy, but, but, but that's not practically possible, you know? Yep. Yep. You sound like me. I'm the same way. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we get along. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I feel like, and you said it, like, I feel like I'm my own worst critic and it sounds like you are too you are as well. Why do you think so many business owners have a hard time with like self-compassion and self-love? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I can't speak to others. I can tell you from my perspective that I think, you know, I grew up with a mindset and a mentality and that that punishment and that like being hard on myself and being self-punishing was actually a positive trait. You know, I felt like if I'm constantly looking for ways that I did wrong, that will help me to get better, right? And so I kind of almost felt like by beating myself up when I made a mistake, I was motivating myself to not make that mistake in the future. Um, That is not how it works. I was very mistaken about that. But I think that, you know, I did have an honest and sincere reason for trying to be hard on myself because I was kind of just being, you know, a cruel master and trying to push myself forward. And, you know, of course, you know, and and I've learned that it doesn't work that way. People don't, if you're telling yourself things in your own mind, if you're being ugly and, and, you know, harsh and critical of yourself instead of compassionate, if you're not giving yourself a break when you might've had a bad day or you deserve, you know, a little benefit of the doubt that you might give another person, but not yourself. It, it's not motivating. It makes you feel worse. And when you feel worse, you're not able to, to do better. So you said you have, you have a child and I have kids too. I really like the work of Jane Nelson. She's a um, founder of uh, Positive Discipline. And I read a lot about that when I first had kids. It's just kind of a way to create firm and 
compassionate boundaries for kids to be kind and firm. And she talks about how children do better, like harsh punishment on kids doesn't work because children do better when they feel better. Everybody wants to do well. Everybody wants to succeed. And so I think that you know, self-compassion kind of works the same way. If you're being kind to yourself, you feel better and then you do better. It doesn't work the other way around where you're really cruel and driving and mean to yourself. You don't do better then. You, that makes you feel worse and you do worse. Yeah, no, well put. And then I, I feel like there's like a, a lack of contentment, right? Like you don't, you don't enjoy the process. It's more like it's so future focused that whatever you accomplish in the present is not, it's like, oh, could be better, you know? Yeah, very well said. Yes. Yeah, very much so. I wanted to ask you two more questions. That's okay. Sure. One's a little bit more business one, and this actually comes from um, someone in the STC community. Monique, if you're listening, thanks for this question. Monique's question was, what advice would you give folks who want to get their message out there on social media and reach number, reach like a large number of folks like like you have? Oh, hi, Monique. It is a good question. There's There's kind of the general advice that people can give you for, you know, you can use hashtags and try to find people in similar communities and, and build a community around whatever you're doing and sort of let, let them know that you're out there. And, and I did some of that at the beginning, you know, when I first started my social media accounts. But I think the best thing that you can do and, and what I found is that I don't know that hashtags are the thing that help you grow. I don't know that leaving, it, it, they, they help, but I think what really is the most helpful thing to do is to be authentic and to just keep putting your message out there. I think that if you're able to, you know, tap into your truth and, and speak it, and, and it's kind of, it is, it's putting aside that inner critic and it's kind of putting aside this judgment of like assuming what people want to hear and just doing it for you. I think that when you are creating messages from, from your heart and that you really believe in and that are for yourself, other people are going to relate to that. And the authenticity is what people really respond to. And so I think that's what shines through. So, you know, I don't have like a laundry list of like step one, step two, step three, here's how you grow an Instagram following. I think it's a really organic process, but I think what people really respond to is that kernel of truth. I read a really good line in a book once, I believe it was Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon, where he talks about, or no, maybe it was, okay, I'm going to get, I'm going to get it wrong. And I'm sorry, I can look it up and send it to you after our conversation. But I think it was actually Neil Gaiman who said that making art is like, when you, when you start making things that feel like you're walking naked down the street, and everybody's going to look at you and judge you, that's when you know you're making really good and powerful content it feels uncomfortable. You have to go to that uncomfortable place. So, so that, would, that would be a big part of my advice. You know that you're really being vulnerable and authentic when it feels so uncomfortable and like you're walking naked down the street and everybody's going to see you. It doesn't feel good, but people respond to it. And, and I think ultimately it does good for your soul and for your audience. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Tori, such a good piece of advice. Last question. You've got a book coming out. I uh, pre-ordered it and I'm really excited for it. What? Tell us a little bit more about the book and how we can pick one up. Sure. Thanks. Yeah. The book is called I Am Definitely Probably Enough, I Think. And it's about the journey to self-acceptance and self-love. You know, it's a journey that I am still on. I have definitely not come to the end point. I don't know that there is an end point, but yeah, I talk about 
some of the different voices that I've had in, in my head and in my life over the years, perfectionism, anxiety, depression, self-doubt, all of these different reasons that I've sort of told myself, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough as I am. And it's got a little bit of content about how I've overcome some of that and how I am finding my way on that path to self-love. So it's really just intended to give a little encouragement and inspiration to anybody who might be struggling with, with something similar. I wrote it about a year ago, so it feels kind of strange to be releasing it now in the pandemic time when all of these mental health topics are so much more top of mind than they even were a year ago. But I hope that it will give folks a little joy and inspiration for their own journey. And it's available for pre-order. It's out November 10th. Pre-orders are available now on Amazon. You can go to IndieBound, which will kind of help you get hooked up with like a little mom and pop shop near you if that's how you prefer to shop. Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, pretty much anywhere books are sold, you can pre-order now and buy on November 10th when it's out. Perfect. Tori, thank you again for your time and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Melvin. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tori, and especially if you have been in a season where you're trying to just figure out a lot of things and even figuring out, you know, such things as growing a larger social media following or larger presence. I hope that today's podcast conversation has just been helpful for you. I was reflecting a lot on this conversation with Tori, and I think the one thing that I really took away is that is the importance of is the importance of remembering that not all decisions are permanent. I alluded to this in the podcast interview, but this is something I really still continue to struggle with STC that, you know, sometimes I feel like the decisions, well, actually not just STC, STC private practice and life in general. <laughs> and so I feel like sometimes the decisions that I make, they're this sort of, you know, all or nothing. And if I, if, if I, I can't go back on the decision and I think, uh, Tori just mentioning that, you know, everything, you can always walk back on our decision and take that path that you came uh, back. I think it was just a good, good reminder for me. Be sure to check out some of the stuff that Tori is creating in the world over at revelatory.com. And then definitely be sure to check out her book and uh, support the good work that she is doing in the world. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you in 2021. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. 
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.